Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. It's now over two years since New York City announced a lockdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic, but in the last few weeks, the numbers of infections have dropped dramatically and many states have, have dropped mask mandates and other restrictions. Is the pandemic finally over or are we likely to see another wave? We have invited industrial hygienist Monona Russell back to our show to help us make sense of it all. She is the president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, the health and safety officer for Local A29 of IATSE, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, and the author of Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All. It's published by Wiley. If you have any questions from... For Monona, we will be taking your calls later at 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. Hi, Monona. Welcome back to our show. Well, hi. Hmm. How have you been? Um, okay. Uh, luckily, I haven't gotten sick. Uh, in fact, Good. I just recently saw the doctor and I got a clean bill of health. Uh, Good. I always check now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the last time you were here, just two months ago, uh, COVID infections were at an all-time high due to the highly infectious Omicron variant. But in the last few weeks, the number of new cases has dropped significantly from something like 700,000 a day to 35,000. Do you think we're finally seeing the end of the pandemic or just a lull? Because now we're starting to hear about this new subvariant of Omicron called BA2. Well, if this is the end of the pandemic, we've seen that same end a few times before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it goes way down and then it goes way back up. Um, a lot of the experts now think we're just headed for the uh, the, the BA2 uh, wave. And how high it will be, it's, it's hard to tell. But, you know, Hong Kong is just a mess and China's a mess. And some of the European countries are now having some serious problems. New and Zealand as, as well. Yeah. It, well, they, they didn't do as well as they did previously. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you think that BO, BA2 is likely to be the next dominant strain? Because well, it's, it looks, it's popping it's up in Western Europe. Yeah, it certainly is in Europe and it certainly is in, in Asia. So it, um, it's, it just stands to reason it probably will be here. And, and as I said, most of the experts figure we're, we're in for another one. Um, but how bad it will be, because we now have a, a lot of people vaccinated, which doesn't just completely stop the virus because you can get infected again after you had the virus, the, the vaccination and the boost. But it will reduce the, the seriousness of the cases. You're less likely to be hospitalized, they say. Yeah. Yeah. Now, isn't there another variant called Delta Cron, which is a mix of Omicron and Delta? What do you know about that one? Yeah. You know, you don't really have to worry too much until you start to see numbers behind the 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 the, uh, the, the new variants, because one thing you can just kind of like guarantee that if you start to see waves like we're seeing with BA2, that variant is more infective or there wouldn't be that wave. So each each variant has been a little bit more infective or has some advantage over the previous one, um, which makes it the next one. So and because we're allowing so many cases, I mean, we we're not interested like China is in trying to get down to zero covid. 
We're just interested in having it low enough that we feel we can get the kids out of the house and back to school. And, and that is a mistake in a sense, because every time someone gets infected, there's a chance that that individual will spawn another variant. Um, and then sooner or later, one will pop up somewhere. So we're, we're just kind of perpetuating this in, in, in the way that we're dealing with it. Are we now at a point where a majority of the population in the U.S. has either been vaccinated or has contracted one of the variants of the viruses or, or both? Certainly in some areas, like we're, we're, we're at 88 uh, percent uh, vaccination here in, in, in New York. So, I mean, my gosh. And if you add to that the number of people who have had it, it's it, we're, we're we're getting to the point where most people have either had it or, or been vaccinated. Um, but we're still seeing the waves. Um, and, and we're going to continue to do that because it can affect anyone. And I'm really surprised that people didn't recognize that because really early on, the Chinese were saying, oh, gosh, they were saying this in February and March of 2020, uh, before we were even closing down the country, that they were seeing people get it twice. Mm. And we just... Our experts at that point said, oh, well, that's just must be some leftover RNA that's being detected by the tests. Well, you know, the Chinese aren't stupid. They knew damn well they were seeing people with the disease again. And we should have listened and we should have understood right from the get go that this thing can bounce back again and again and again. It's just it's it's going to be persistent. And until we find a really, really top-notch treatment or something of that order. We're just going to be in one wave after another. Well, an area of confusion is the level of immunity conferred by immunization versus previous COVID infection. Does vaccination confer stronger immunity than previous infection? You know, it seems to in some individuals. And again, this is a very individual thing. Um, uh, with, with elderly in particular, the, the vaccines kind of fade rather quickly, you know, and they really probably are going to need a fourth booster, and that's me included, um, to, to keep that level up. Well, there are well, already a number of the vaccine makers pressing for it, but it's for people over 50. Well, you know, that kind of like is you and I, baby. Yeah, no. <laughs> so we're in there. <laughs> And uh, we, we need to be thinking in terms of, of this kind of uh, um, boosting because uh, our immune systems are not as, as good as, as, as younger people. Has my local CVS been informed of that? <laughs> <laughs> I think they probably know. Um, and and they, they, they do provide the boosters, too. So they should be interested in, in the outcome of this discussion. So if you were vaccinated, boosted, and also infected, does that give you super immunity? Don't no. scientists disagree over how long the vaccine's protection lasts and how many uh, uh, benefit from the added booster shots? Yeah, they all fade in time, They all, no matter whether, whether you've gotten it. And you see, I'm somebody who's been boosted and has had it. And, and I cannot wait until they approve the, <laughs> the fourth booster. I'll be right in line. Because uh, I know at my age that that that, that is that is a waning uh, immunity, 
And, uh, and it's not immunity for, from getting the disease. It's an immunity from being hospitalized, hopefully. Uh, but we, we, we don't have any guarantees. And we, we, you know, we're talking about elderly here, but look at all the people who are on immunosuppressive drugs, all the HAV people, all of the people with transplants and many people who have other types of immune diseases. We're writing them off. Um, in, in by keeping the, the society open and letting people pass this around. Uh, they may be only looking at symptoms of a really bad cold, but for seven million people with suppressed immune systems, in a sense, you're condemning them to a rather bad life because we can't be safe out there. We can't take the masks off. We, there's just no way we can live like that. And we've heard that infection from the Delta variant doesn't provide much protection from Omicron. Yeah, well, that's probably true. Um, there, there's probably some overlap, but each, each variant, again, we have to watch and see how it behaves because those uh, mutations are always on different uh, chromosomes, and we, we, we're never sure what the virus is going to act like until we actually see it uh, in the field and we can, we can look at how it, how it affects people. Uh, so, yeah, that, it looks like that's right. I'm sure many of our listeners have questions for you. A reminder, the number to call, 212-209-2877, if you want to join the conversation. Um, in many places, mask mandates have been dropped, including the New York City school system. Is this partly the result of political pressure, or is science behind it? Well, if, if you look at, the, at, at this kind of social science of uh, kids learning and, and, and being upset by wearing masks and, and so on, yeah, maybe... There's some science behind, you know, taking the masks off and giving them more freedom to talk and um, and, and see each other's facial expressions and all of this. And that's that's probably a, a good thing. It is a, a breeding ground in, in that case for passing that that virus. Masks are still required on the New York City subway system, and uh, I have observed. <laughs> any number of tense moments where people have asked unmasked people to sit somewhere else and the unmasked people have said, you go move. I'm not moving. Well, I wouldn't say anything to anybody if I was bold enough to even get on a subway. <laughs> what I've been reading is a very scary place. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the mask in, in transportation is especially important. I was just reading a paper. This one happened to be from Norway, but I've read papers from many different countries on the risks associated with public transportation. And they, they are always, always high. There's always a, a really serious risk factor because you don't know who's going to be sitting close to you. And you don't really know which direction the air is moving and so on. Mm. So, so public transport is, is always a high risk. Well, cars and, and are, the, the subway cars are closed. Buses, uh, maybe the windows, some of the windows are open. Uh, New York's well, already... Yeah, but there's an internal fan system mm. in those. Of, uh, it's a cooling system mm. primarily. But there's air movements and air currents in every one of those um, um, cars. 
New York City has also stopped requiring restaurants, gyms, and other businesses to require proof of vaccination. Is that because of pressure from business owners or the public? Yeah, probably. I mean, uh, the, the, the people who are not getting vaccinated have just been wearing down everybody, I think. And people are sort of like giving up uh, on these uh, and, and, and letting them back into society. Uh, a lot of that is is political. I mean, if you were just going to follow the science, you just tell people to you know get vaccinated, and that would be the end of it. But we we don't have that um, ability to do that here. Well, restaurants, for example, gyms, other businesses rely on customers, so they're more likely to prefer to not have to require uh, proof of vaccination. On the other hand, uh, museums. Uh, which are public institutions still require proof of, of vaccination and masks, which I think creates a certain amount of confusion. Yeah, well, if, if, if you're confused, then you're, you're listening because it, it, it isn't a consistent policy anywhere. It just isn't. Um, so uh, we, we see people responding in terms of the political pressure being put on uh, on them by first the restaurant industry and then the entertainment industry and so on and so forth. It's it's just it's it's piecemeal, and um, it it really depends on when people just get utterly fed up with something. Um, then then we see them changing uh, their uh, their behavior, but it that shouldn't be the driver. It, it really shouldn't. My guest on today's Leonard Lopez at Large is industrial hygienist Monona Russell. Uh, and uh, as I've told you in the past, because she's made many visits to our show, um, her book, Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All, is published by Wiley. Unfortunately, it doesn't have a chapter on COVID because it was published before COVID came along. But we ha- we... Uh, pick her brain when she joins us on this show, and we invite your calls at 212-209-2877. And let's go to some of those calls. BAI, you're on the air. Hi, this is Reggie from uh, Brooklyn. Hi, Reggie. Um, uh, it's such a pleasure, and I've heard Manuna on the many programs, and thank you so much for, um, you know, for all of your advice. I just wanted to ask a question um, can you really um, give me, a, like a layman, uh, um, the, the difference between the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and the um, Pfizer-BioNTech mRNA vaccine? Does the Johnson & Or the Johnson, Moderna, which is the third one. The Moderna. Yeah. Um, does the Johnson & Johnson actually use the same um, mRNA um Thing, or are they actually using a, a dead virus that they actually uh, toned down? Uh, none of them are dead viruses. Um, some of them are on the RNA and some of them are just on the uh, protein spikes. So, and, and in a minute I can tell you which is which. Um, well, I, th- I think the Johnson & Johnson is on the protein spikes. Yes, it is. That's the one. And the other ones are on the RNA in the center of the um, um, capsule. Yes. And, and uh, the Johnson Johnson doesn't seem to be as effective. 
That's right. It, 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 it hasn't proven so. Is, is, is the Johnson & Johnson the same as what the, the Sinovac that the Chinese use, the attenuated virus? No, that is an attenuated virus. And we're not doing that in this country. Right. We haven't. Yep. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your call. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Yes, yeah, just listen to you guys, and um, especially that guy in uh, Ukraine. What's his name? Zelensky. It's amazing how, like, you could listen to people, and it's uh, to be totally convinced, and you really don't even know what you're talking about. But you're convinced that you know what you're talking about, but you really don't know what you're talking about. So it's actually amazing how the mind could be so um, so uh, deceived. You know, well, well, there are some people who believe that everything is a conspiracy, and so even though I have not been hired by any conspiracy group. Uh, <laughs> if you think that way, well, then I'm part of a conspiracy, and so are an awful lot of other people. What can you do? Well, no, yeah, no, it's not a conspiracy. It's just we're convinced we, we know what we're talking about when we don't. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, And uh, do you have a question for Monona? Okay. Uh, let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Well, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of people are uh, still recovering from COVID, obviously. Uh, BAI, you're on the air. I have a real question. Hey, yeah, cons- conspiracy to Latin for the breathe together, so we're all in a conspiracy sharing the same atmosphere. Hopefully we start taking care of our planet. I have a question. I've heard some really interesting conspiracy on there is no such thing as a virus. It's actually just the body's um, biomarkers excreting um, uh, uh, toxins out of its system. I'm just interested to know, has your guest ever heard of anyone who's pushed this um, theory around? Because I actually know people who believe it, and some of them work in healthcare. I'm just wondering, do you have any take on that? Monona, have you heard about that? I haven't heard that one, but that's amazing. I mean, my gosh, they're they're very creative. These people. <laughs> but when when you look at the electron micrographs of the virus and you watch it behave, and you can actually see it infect cells now, and some of the uh, uh, the uh, taping they've done of, of of the actions under electron microscopy. I mean, it's just amazing what you can see now. Uh, so these people, I don't know where they can develop this, but it's very creative. <laughs> uh, at this point, everyone who wants the vaccine, except children under five, has had the opportunity to get it. What's holding up a vaccine for very young children? Oh, they have to be really, really careful because there are things that are you know, in the developing body that you you you. you that are very, very different from either adolescents or, or full adults. And so you definitely want to make sure that no system is going to be uh, affected as, as it is developing by, by, by this, this vaccine. And so this is a really good thing to be extremely careful and, and, and to follow these, these, these cases really, really closely. Because, you know, it is kind of like an experiment that they do. Uh, with people, <laughs> and uh, I don't, I, I don't think we really realize how much they we owe the people who do get into these uh, medical tests. 
but we owe them a great deal because uh, it, it's based on what we see there that, that the decision is made on whether or not to give it to everyone or not. Well, is concern about its uh, possible effect on young children a reason that some women are refusing to, pregnant women are refusing to get vaccinated? Yes, uh, um, that does not seem to have been a problem, but I can understand why someone would do that in, in the early days. But what we have found is it's it's similar to the other viruses that pregnant women get, uh, not all of them, but many of them. It, what it does is it sort of is it sort of confers a little bit of immunity on the fetus. Um, and, and it doesn't seem to certainly if, uh, damage the fetus uh, when, when uh, the woman who's pregnant gets the, the, the uh, vaccine. So that, those cases look, um, those studies look, look pretty good for, for telling women who are pregnant that, that this is probably the best way to go. Well, about two-thirds of Americans have now been fully vaccinated. Is the remaining one-third so resistant to being vaccinated that that number isn't likely to change? You know, I'm, I'm so amazed at what is in people's minds that I wouldn't presume to answer that. I have no idea whether people, uh, you know, what, what they're... I don't understand totally their reasons for not getting vaccinated, so I can't imagine why they would either continue or not continue. It's, um, but they do certainly seem to be militant, so we'll have to see. A reminder that you can join this conversation by calling us at 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. There are also now some effective treatments for COVID, including monoclonal antibodies and antiviral pills. Are these treatments and higher levels of vaccination bringing down the death rates? Well, they certainly did for Delta. Um, my husband didn't get the monoclonal antibody infusion. I did. And believe me, our outcomes were extremely different. Hmm. Um, and uh, I, it, it, for Delta, it really worked. But it looks like for Omicron, there's really only one of the uh, infusions that works. Most of the ones, the one I had in particular, is useless against Omicron. But this is why I say each each variant is unique, and we have to look at all of those factors in order to really understand how to handle it. And about the time we get that figured out, there's a new one on the horizon. Well, what happens so, if your spouse comes down with it and you don't have it? Do you have to wear a mask around your spouse? Well, unless you want to get it, too. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's there's such a thing as too much togetherness, I would think. Uh, oh, boy. But, uh, we're, we're but it's awfully hot. We'll unless to... you have a nice big apartment with several bedrooms and, and a couple of bathrooms, it's going to be unlikely that you don't get it. We're going to have to bring a marriage counselor on to this show <laughs> the next time you visit. Let's take some more calls. BAI, you're on the air. Me? Yes, you. Okay, simple question. Now, if, if COVID is a virus, HIV is a virus, if everybody can't catch HIV, 
then why could every, why do you think everybody has to be prepared for COVID? Well, it, wait. Could I answer that, uh, Monona? Yeah, as as I understand yeah, it, I <laughs> HIV, HIV comes from usually from sexual contact. Uh, COVID comes from just sitting next to somebody who's breathing uh, the air into your nose. I think there's a big but, difference there. But uh, they're both. First of all, it comes from from fluid. You know, you can get it from a blood transfusion. I know a guy, he passed from a blood, Arthur Ashe, he passed from a blood transfusion. But the fact is they're both viruses and they both replicate. So now, you know, they are coming up with all these inventions, calling the the, the COVID this and that. Y'all got another thing and she's hyping on on all of these vaccines. But the bottom line is uh, if you have a strong immune system, doesn't that count for something? You know, an elephant and a frog are both also mammals. <laughs> but that doesn't mean they have the same interaction with us. And they, those are such, the, the, the HIV virus is a very unique virus. It's a retrovirus. It was extremely hard to find a way to deal with it. And it requires body fluid to body fluid transmission. You can't get it from breathing around a person with HIV, no matter how deeply you inhale. So um, this virus is just naturally going to be in the particles that everybody breathes out um, every time they they exhale. Well, should Uh, we also make... Go ahead, finish. Yeah, since we don't have cold weather much anymore here, but if you go out in cold weather and you see that puff of steam coming out. We are making the, that that steam all the time. It's just that only in cold weather is it visual. So every time you are around someone, you are breathing that air. And if they've got H, if, if they've got HIV, you are safe as can be. If they've got COVID, you're not. Well, there's so many different. Uh, uh, viruses, uh, you're not going to get the flu just when you get COVID, even though they're both viruses. And they both come from breathing in the air. Isn't that true? Well, yes. And they can also both be transmitted, you know, hand to mouth also, you know, from from Mm -hmm. fomites on on, um, contaminated surfaces. But they're uniquely different. Yes. Every virus, in fact, look at how different we were talking about just the variants of this mm. one virus are. And so when you get into a whole nother virus, then you're just way, way miles from, from, from dealing with, with the same thing as we're dealing with with COVID. What are some of the other viral illnesses? Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> so many. You, you know, there, there, uh, there are... Animal viruses, things that that go from animal to people that are called nosocomial. Oh, trying to think of the word. Uh But anyway, they're transmitted from animals to people. Some are and some are not. Yeah. And people think some people think that uh, COVID comes from bats, but uh, it hasn't been 100 percent proven. Well, yeah, it probably did. And there certainly are coronaviruses that are very similar in bats. Mm -hmm. So it would have been an easy step in any case. And almost every animal is carrying viruses. And most of them we don't get. 
um, but some of them we do. Thank you for your call. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Yes, good afternoon. Hi. First of all, your, your guest, she sounds like such a lovely person. I'm enjoying just listening to her speak. She sounds like a very caring person. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to bring up a couple of points. Really, I, I'm very impressed with that. And so I want to bring a couple of points to your, your, your guest. In the educational system uh, pertaining to our children, uh, the health authorities say that our children should have the vaccination and that at one time it was six feet apart for each person to, to give some semblance of safety for each and every individual. Yet we sent our children back to school based on uh, health authorities' uh, opinion. We do not take out desks to make sure that the children are far apart from each, six feet apart from each other. They speak about ventilation is a very important factor to maintaining health. Yet we have not uh, we, uh, retrofitted our ventilating systems in the public schools. Uh, our children are in these schools. Everything is such a contradiction uh, based on what seems to be good for the economics. Uh, I like your, your, your title of your book that you, um, you presented prior to the COVID. I think it has a lot of validity. And I think it even has more validity now that we've gotten the COVID. You made a statement a couple of times, your, your guest, that this is an experiment. Genetically engineered foods are problematic for people. So you can imagine how problematic it can be for a human being to put uh, these um, vaccines into our body. So I, what I want to say to you, I, I enjoy talking with you, hearing your voice, hearing you speak. But I, I think that you might want to look at your first, your first book that, uh, that Mr. Lopez mentioned and see what you think about some of the practices that our medical experts supposedly are um, suggesting for our children, all right, for the elderly and for the general public. Minona? I want to thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for calling. Minona, yeah. you want to answer? Yeah, a, a couple of things she made were really very interesting points. Um, um, one of the points, of course, is, is about ventilation in the schools, and she is so, so, so right. Um, NPR put out a, um, a, a, a short document. Uh, it was by Maria Godoy, March 14th, just a, just a couple of days ago. And it says, better air in classrooms matter beyond COVID. Here's why schools aren't there yet. I tell you, anyone who is interested in ventilation in the schools needs a copy of that because she's got it right. <clears throat> the, 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 the climate is just not right. Most of these schools probably should have been closed before COVID. They don't have any ventilation. They're not really places of good place to put children. Um, so now there's money out there to renovate. Some of the schools are doing it, some are not, but it really needs to be good air for, for more reasons than COVID in our schools. We really need to address that. Um, and, and as for vaccines, of course, I come from an age where we got smallpox vaccines and 
you you couldn't go to school without a, a smallpox or, or measles or measles or mumps or anything. I don't know why this is so much different. And I don't know why Jonas Salk, who came up with the polio vaccine uh, and was uh, so admired, is not now. Now we got people thinking that whoever's developing the vaccine is is uh, you know Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> uh, just, what is that all about? Why are these people who are doing this suddenly evil and trying to kill off your kids? Uh, I, I don't I don't understand it, and I don't see the dead children. I mean, I read the statistics. I don't see any problems. Um, and, and believe me, I, I think there's enough people who would be only too happy to report problems if they were there. So uh, I, I think that the, the risk, any risk of the vaccine, and there's always a little risk in any vaccine, um, is just absolutely worth the benefit in this case. And, and we really need to just do it and move on. Uh, for everybody's well-being. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and streaming live at WBAI.org. My guest is industrial hygienist Monona Russell, uh, president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety, and the health and safety officer for Local 829 of IATSE, which is the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees. Uh, her book, is Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All, published by Wiley. If you visit American City, you will find it very pretty. Just two things of which you must beware. Don't drink the water and don't breathe the air. Pollution, pollution, they got smog and sewage and mud. Turn on your tap and get hot and cold running crud. We're back with Minona and taking your calls at 212 Seven seven. Before we get to some more calls, the government has been sending out free COVID home test kits to anyone who asks for them. How does more testing help control the spread of the virus? Oh, and it are, really and, does. And are positive results from those home tests being reported? No, I wish they were. Uh, but it is it 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 really gives us a chance to get people who are infected out early. Uh, out of circulation early. It makes a big difference. Um, I, I, I would like to see those test kits even more readily available. So since they're not being reported, does that change the reality of uh, the low case numbers we're seeing recently? Yeah, you, you always have to look at those case numbers and realize that they're going to be underreported for sure. Uh, and there's just so many other things that are going on that it's not just the uh, home tests and so on. Some people, you know, just plain find out they're positive, go home and deal with it on their own. And they just don't want to uh, make it um, make it known for one reason or another. And uh, so th this kind of thing happens routinely. Let's take some more calls. Uh, WBAI, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, uh, thank, thanks very much for your program, Leonard. Uh, uh, I am assuming you have a name. Yeah, my, my <laughs> name is Tom. Okay, Tom. 
Um, th- thanks very much for your program. I appreciate BAI because it does have a lot of different voices, a lot of diversity, which is really healthy. Um, and I think the, uh, you know, the unfortunate thing in the last couple of years is there really hasn't been enough open debate, you know, tough, rigorous, scholarly, scientific debate, both sides. So we, get, we get one side with one set of views and another side with a different set of views. And um, unfortunately, there's not much you know, open debate and open forums. Much of TV is entertainment, not uh, you know, like scholarly, uh, uh, scientific-type forum, uh, which would be really healthy. So that, that's, that's my concern. Uh, and on this topic, um, uh, you know, I, I, I have some real concerns about vaccine injuries. I know three people uh, who, who did have vaccine injuries. Um, I had a bad reaction to the second Moderna shot. I have a friend who, when he got the booster, it was like his heart was beating out of his chest. Veris has over a million uh, adverse events reported, which is, uh, as far as I know, an underreported system. So, it's so am, hard. am I an anomaly because I had absolutely no reaction to uh, either no. shot or the yeah. booster? There are a lot of people who had um, no reaction, but there's no recourse. If, if you have a, if you have a, a serious uh, event, you, you, there's no liability, and the drug makers, they, you know, are not held to account. So that's that's a real concern. Monona? Well, I I think that if, if there was something that was recoverable, I'm sure that, that that a lawyer would be only too happy to take that case um, because it has to be something where you could say, uh, not only did my heart beat out of my chest for a few minutes, and um, but um, I, I had a stroke, and, and you know, if, if you if something like that happens, trust me, they, they, that's going to make the literature. That's even going to make the lawyers. Um, so there's no reason why that, that that even though you have a reaction, if that reaction is minor and it goes away and you're fine then you end up in the pile of people that is considered not not a problem. If you think what's left, what, that this, this really did harm you, uh, you need to make some calls. Talking From what I, know, yeah, go I ahead. understand, it's very hard. Um, you know, the, the, they have shielding from liability. So you can report it, I guess, to your local health department. Uh, but it, 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 you know, it may be uploaded in bears, but it's unlikely there's no, going to no, be no. any recourse on, on the, uh, you know, from the standpoint of the health department. So, you know, people. Yeah, you know, you're, you're, yeah you're just not, you're not adventurous enough. You, you don't, you don't know how, how eager lawyers would be probably <laughs> to take something like this. Under sure. The right Make a lawyer and, famous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, just if you can really prove that something happened right after you got this shot and it was related to the shot and uh, now it's a permanent problem. Wow. You know, I, I am certain that, that there would be I, and they would probably be perfectly happy to settle with you. You know, I mean, this this is not you're not powerless in this at all. There's nothing, nothing powerless about an individual with a problem from the vaccine or any other medical uh, issue here. Thank you for your call. 
but talking about underreported, there have been more than 960,000 deaths in the United States attributed to COVID so far, and it looks like it'll get to a million. The yep. worldwide death toll is more than 6 million. Six. And they're yep. just the reported deaths. Is it likely the true numbers are even higher? Uh, you bet. Because haven't some in, governments um, been accused of intentionally downplaying COVID deaths? Yes, and again, for the same political reasons. Uh, there's an, an, a Brazil in particular. We don't have any idea really how many deaths there's there. Well, we're still seeing over 1,000 deaths a day from COVID in this country. How do those numbers compare to the death rate from or death toll from other common diseases like heart disease and cancer? Oh, um, the, the difference is that this is added on to heart disease and cancer, and it doesn't have to be. Um, so if we're if, if the population is happy with killing a thousand people a day in the United States with this disease, then I have a problem with the U.S. population because this is not acceptable. And and right now, people who are tired of wearing their masks, they 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 have decided this is an acceptable number and they are comparing it with other diseases. But this one is not necessary. I mean, we are working hard to change the numbers for heart disease, and we're working hard to change the numbers for cancer and other diseases, but we're not seemingly working hard to change the numbers from COVID. We have decided, well, we're, we're through with this. This is as good as it gets going to get, and that's okay. I don't, since I am one of the high-risk people, that doesn't make me happy. So I, I think we really should be trying harder uh, to prevent this disease from being passed around and uh, developing new variants and um, putting more and more people who are at high risk to begin with at greater risk. Although it's been reported that U.S. life expectancy has fallen by uh, two years during the pandemic, it seems like the world is now divided into two groups, the, the people who believe that it's time to get back to normal life or that this whole thing is a hoax or a conspiracy, and those who are vulnerable to serious disease or death from COVID because of age or immune deficiency. So how do we come up with policies that are fair to both those groups? You can't. You gotta. You know. You gotta. You gotta make a choice. Um, and um, I think the fed, the federal government made its choice. They uh, they they published uh, a document on um, um, what is it? I'm just gonna look at the name of it. National COVID Preparedness Plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they said when it comes to just that question is that they're going to prioritize protections for the immunocompromised people and take new actions to protect individuals with disabilities and older adults. And then when you read what those precautions are, they're the ones that they're practicing already and there's nothing new in there. And they're not going to and they're not going to make that special because right in the next one, they said, we're going to make sure everybody has access to those. Well, <laughs> then you aren't prioritizing the 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 immune um, deficient. So uh, they've made the decision that that decision is definitely, you know, clearly made at the, at the federal level at this point that. Um, we're just going to prioritize these high-risk people, but we're going to have to continue to wear 
really good masks, not not surgical masks, if we want to be protected. And we're going to have to stay out of a lot of situations. This is not going to be our world at all. If you know, we have to make a choice. A man on the subway made fun of me one day when I had decided to wear two masks, one on top of the other. Um, my guest on uh, today's <laughs> Leonard Lopate at Large here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM, streaming live at WBAI.org, is industrial hygienist Minona Russell. And we are taking your calls at 212-209-2877. Let's go to another call. BAI, you're on the air. Mr. Lopate, how are you? I'm okay. So far, I've uh, reported that I'm still in pretty good health. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I think you're over 80. You sound like you have the energy of a 60-year-old. <laughs> I'm 81, actually. And, uh, yeah, the doctor told, me, doctor told me that uh, all of my signs are healthy. So I'm very happy. Wonderful. The only bad part is that I had a little problem with the insurance company. It's going to cost me a lot of money, to, that, that doctor's visit. But that's a whole other matter. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, you had a question <laughs> or a comment? You know, I'm just, uh, at, at this stage, Mr. Lopate, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing new variants of COVID and what's going on, you know, it spikes in, in Europe again and, 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 and in China. We have a vaccine, okay? People got the virus that didn't want to get the vaccine have herd immunity. If you go back 100 years to the Spanish flu, we didn't have no technology back then. They let the virus ride out with no vaccine. I was looking at watching documentaries back in 2007, people that were still alive during the pandemic, and one of them said that whereabouts around 1922, four years after the, um, the Spanish flu, things are back to normal. Now we have technology, we have vaccines and stuff. We have options now. So it is safe, it is safe to say that this virus should be, a thing, should be subsided after two years. There should be no more variants because people <laughs> are tired of it. People Tell the virus. Yeah. Well, actually, right now, uh, aren't they saying that uh, this whole thing is going to change from a pandemic to an endemic? Something that will be with us for a long time, but no longer on an emergency level? Well, that's essentially we're almost there. I mean, with the Spanish flu, isn't it? Well, yeah, the flu, the flu became the same kind of thing. And now it's just part of your regular yearly shots. You get your flu shot and um, and and most people don't die from the flu. I think there's a total of uh, 50,000 people um, a, a year countrywide uh, who die of the flu. So um, this is, you know, just one of those things. This is uh, this bug isn't going away. I mean, if you if you think this is <laughs> Away, you're just playing wrong. So, are um, we going to require uh, some of us, anyway, the ones who decide to get the shots, to have a booster every every year, like we get flu shots? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that that is that's pretty much what the majority of the experts think that it's just going to be eventually part of the regular um, treatment that we we get from our general practitioners. Others have argued that because COVID has affected uh, people of color at a higher at higher levels, also the elderly and poor, more than wealthy white people, that it's a political issue. Well, everything is a political issue now because the the, the things that make um, elderly and, and, and black and brown people at high risk are political issues. 
And uh, when you don't have good living conditions and when you don't have schools with good ventilation and when you don't have access to medical care uh, easily and all of these things, all of those are risk factors. And so it's not a surprise that um, who's dying, um, it, it would be a surprise if it was any other way. Let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Demographically, who was most affected? Because it seems that men had a higher risk because they had more ACE2 receptors in their nose, making them more susceptible. And then they said COVID would use glycogen or sugar molecules on the spikes to hide from the immune system. So in that case, it's not politically correct, but it seems like older people or people who are overweight or diabetic had a higher death rate. And the other question I have is the people who are exposed, how many are, quote, unquote, part of the long haulers? Because I know some people said, I'll get it and I'll then not have to worry. But it seems like a third of all the people who were exposed have long hauler symptoms. Yeah, this is, that's a very interesting question. The long hauler, um, we're, we're looking at, at trying to get more data on who actually is long hauler. And first, we have to identify and define what what is a long hauler. I don't know what, what you would call. For instance, I have some permanent neurological damage. Uh, am I a long hauler? No, I'm like a forever hauler. <laughs> because the, the neurologist says that isn't coming back. So in some cases, COVID can do things that are, are permanent. In other cases, it reverses over time. And those are the long haulers. And some of them are neurological. Some of them are heart problems. Some of them are um, uh, kidney and, and, and digestive problems. There's, because you pointed out the ACE2 receptors, uh, any cell that has an ACE2 receptor is where that virus can then enter and reproduce. Um, so we we have ACE2 receptors lining our entire respiratory system from our nose to the alveoli, the little air sacs. We have from mouth to anus, we have through the digestive tract, we have ACE2 receptors. Huh. Lining huh. blood vessels in the heart, we have it in the brain. We've got ACE2 receptors all over the place. And so this means this virus can be quite individual and quite, you know, creative in where it decides to take up residence. Well, there have been and, protests from truckers, and I wonder ab about wearing masks, mask mandates. I wonder how many of them are long haulers. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we have very little time. <laughs> Any closing remarks? Before? Oh, we have another call, right? Oh, no. Okay. Any, any closing remarks before uh, we, we move on? Yeah, I, I think, you know, regardless I of no how more you, bad jokes, no, it's hard as it's, it's hard as it is. We really shouldn't be tired. I mean, how, how if you look at the, the people who went through the Great Depression or the or World War Two, how bad is it to wear a mask? And, and to be restricted in where you go. I mean, you know, we're making such a big thing out of such a small amount of inconvenience that it just makes me kind of strangely, unpleasantly, <laughs> m 
mirthful. I I want to I want to laugh at, at people with and, and I know it's not nice, so I don't. But I mean, really, how how much trouble is it to wear a mask and to and, and, and to and to restrict your movements and keep at a distance from people? Well, and for many that's people, all, it's political because it's mandated. Uh, that's, yeah, that's what we're well, seeing from you know, governors well, who are opposed. Isn't that isn't that what happens in our teen years? And and shouldn't we leave it there? That you know we're just not going to take orders because we're now adults. Well, really, you know, <laughs> sometimes we just you know need to be be reasonable. Manona, I look forward to your next visit, which will be in a couple of months. But thank you so much for all of your wisdom today. Uh, I've been speaking with industrial hygienist Monona Russell, who is the president and founder of Arts, Crafts, and Theater Safety and the health and safety safety officer for Local 829 of IATSE, the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, the author of an, a book from Wiley called Pick Your Poison, How Our Mad Dash to Chemical Utopia is Making Lab Rats of Us All. Thank you again. And that takes us to the end of this show. Special thanks to segment producer Barbara Kahn for preparing today's interview. If you'd like to check out more of our one-hour interviews on one subject, you can access our archive of over 600 shows at WBAI.org or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. You can also find links to our past shows at LeonardLopateAtLarge.com. And if you'd like to reach me directly, my email address is LeonardLopateAtWBAI.com. Right now, I need to ask you to consider stepping up and supporting WBAI as we struggle to stay afloat during these difficult times. We're asking all of our listeners who haven't taken that step already to make a tax-deductible contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by going online to give to WBAI.org or by calling 212-209-2950 right now to become a, uh, a member and to keep this unique in-depth content that we bring you on the show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. You might also consider becoming a sustaining member, what we call a BAI buddy. And during Women's History Month, we're offering the 8-gigabyte Women's History Collection and a WBAI tote bag to everyone who signs up to become a BAI buddy for $15 a month or more. Either way, I hope you'll call right now because WBI relies 100%, relies 100% on listener donations. We don't take ads or foundation grants, which allows us to be completely free speech radio. If Leonard Lopate at Large is part of your daily routine, why not keep it going for someone who's just discovering? And you can do that again, the number 212-209-2950, or go online to give to WBAI.org. That's give, the number 2 WBAI.org to help support independent radio. And don't forget to make that tax-deductible contribution in the name of Leonard Lopate at large. And from all of, the, of us at the station, thank you. Join us again tomorrow when we'll talk about a different aspect of health. Sarah Manning Peskin will discuss her book, A Molecule Away from Madness, Tales of the Hijacked Brain. I hope to see you then. <laughs>